India and the EU began the third round of free trade agreement talks on November 29th and the talks are said to continue on till December 9. India and the EU had started talks again after 9 years. Various issues such as custom tax on vehicles, movement of professionals halted the talks back in 2013. In this podcast, Amiti Sen talks about the areas of discussion for the India EU FTA, the hurdles that the India EU FTA might face and how the FTA would like to be a game changer. Welcome to BL Podcast Amiti. So, can you tell us about the areas of discussion for the India EU FTA? So, you know, this uh, FTA that is being uh, discussed between India and the EU, it's quite an ambitious agreement. So, there are 21 proposed chapters. So, apart from the chapters on uh, goods and services where, you know, which are there in all FTAs, discussions are there are uh, many 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 more areas that are being covered. So, we have rules of origin where you know uh, which is also basically an important uh, ingredient of all ftas because where you decide you know what what items will basically qualify uh, for uh, you know for the benefits under the fta like you know how much value addition should happen in the partner countries for that item to qualify as originating from the partner country so rules of origin we have uh, chapters on customs and trade facilitation and then on sanitary and phytosanitary measures technical barriers to trades uh, to trade and then there are these new issues uh, digital trade government procurement and very important uh, issue of intellectual property you know uh, where eu wants india to go beyond uh, the trips agreement that has been signed under the wto and then there are uh, chapters on anti competitive conduct merger control and subsidies you know state owned enterprises smes energy and raw materials transparency sustainable food systems so there are a whole lot of uh, these areas that are being covered in separate chapters and uh, there is this very important and you would say controversial chapter on trade and sustainable development because it includes issues such as environment labor gender equality which india has not been wanting in ftas so far but uh, they are there in this fta being discussed and then separately india and the eu are also negotiating an investment protection treaty so this will not be part of the fta but it will happen simultaneously so this will basically deal with rules of protecting foreign investors in the absence of bilateral investment treaties you know that were allowed to uh, lapse by the finance ministry in 2017 because the, at that time finance ministry came up with this model bilateral uh, investment treaty of its own so that you know it could basically avoid those international disputes where india was losing a lot of money so that is something uh, to be negotiated separately and then there is also an agreement on geographical indications which is happening separately but simultaneously with the fta so gis is a name for sign used on products which corresponds to a specific geographical location or origin such as you know basmati rice in india or champagne <clears throat> in the in the eu so these are all the areas as india and eu uh, negotiate the fta So can you tell us a little about the stock taking meeting that will be following the FTA Yeah see India and the EU uh, have already had two rounds of FTA negotiations and currently uh, the third round is on you know this started uh, earlier this week on I think November 28th and this will go on till December 7th So this is an important round about 75 sessions on 19 policy areas are scheduled in this round So uh, when the earlier uh, two earlier rounds took place earlier this year a number of areas in various chapters were identified where a need was felt for more discussions and narrowing of gaps so the third round will focus on that and 
you know, later sometime in January, the Director General of the EU and the Commerce Secretary, they are scheduled to meet to take stock of all the discussions that have happened in all the three rounds and basically see how things have progressed so far. So then they are likely to take a call on the areas which would need more work and also see if a timeline for concluding the talks could be worked out. Why was the India-EU FTA talks halted for about nine years? Yeah, see, the FTA talks between India and the EU were first launched in 2007. And then, you know, negotiations kept happening, you know, as, you know, these talks take a lot of time. So all these talks were happening slowly. But, you know, finally, in 2013, both sides tried to realize that, you know, they had reached a stalemate on certain issues. You know, uh, for instance, uh, market access for specific goods like automobiles and uh, wines and spirits. And uh, the EU also wanted commitments in opening up of financial services, including banking and insurance and also retail trade that India was not very comfortable with. Then there was EU's uh, stress on the inclusion of some non-trade measures such as labor and environment, which which we already talked about. Uh, And the EU was not very forthcoming in the area of visa liberalization for Indian workers, you know, which India... India really wanted in the agreement because uh, it says that labor mobility falls under the individual jurisdiction of members. So this was something that uh, India did not like too much. So because of all these factors, the talks just came to a stop and no action happened for nine years. In your story, you wrote India may press the EU to extend its data secure status as part of the FTA. Can you explain a bit about it? See, India is among the countries which are not considered data secure by the EU. So basically, you know, EU has a list of countries where they have, you know, which are earmarked as data secure, but India does not feature in that. So what happens is this prevents flow of sensitive data, you know, such as uh, patient information for telemedicine, etc., you know, from flowing into India under the data protection laws. You know, because of that, India does not get a lot of offshore business from EU companies. So because the EU data protection directive, it requires member countries to ban transfer of personal data to a non-EU country unless the nation ensures adequate privacy protection. So the EU says that that is not there in India. But there is an exception to the directive which allows outsourcing to non-data secure countries uh, by adhering to standard contractual clauses. But these place very strict obligations on both parties You know, to ensure privacy of data. These are very on- onerous and difficult for uh, Indian companies to, uh, both actually companies from both sides to follow. So this acts as an impediment of flow of, of business, offshore business flowing to India. So India has been in talks with EU for a long time, you know, asking it to provide it data secure status. And this continues to be a topic of discussion and is expected to be, you know, uh, majorly pushed by India in the FTA talks. Also. According to a report by a Delhi-based think tank, uh, free trade agreements negotiated by India with developed country partners may not bring in substantial benefits. How so? An interesting report. It's called uh, FTAs, uh, Fabulous, Futile or Flawed. It's basically an evaluation of India's FTAs with, uh, you know, the FTAs which we already have with the ASEAN, Japan and South Korea. It's been uh, brought out by a former Indian Trade Services officer who was part was in the Commerce Ministry. So here, you know, uh, the report uses data uh, from India, ASEAN business, Japan, India business, and South Korea, India business after the FTAs were signed to show that, you know, uh, India 
has not actually gained too much from the FTS. And one of the major reasons is because you know these countries did not have very high import duties to begin with. So FTS being negotiated by India with developed country partners such as the UK, the EU, and Canada also may not bring in substantial benefits as no significant additional market access is expected for Indian exporters because of the same reason, because already low normal import tariffs exist in these countries. So basically, he's argued that things are likely to move exactly along the lines of India's existing FTS with Japan, South Korea, and ASEAN, uh, where India's exports grew at a rate much lower than its imports from uh, imports from these countries after the packs were implemented. So, and this has also resulted in a greater trade deficit that India has with these three FTA partner countries. This report also makes a case that, you know, for labor intensive items such as textiles, you know, where we have been saying that in that, you know, the FTS with EU or UK, we will benefit because they have uh, import duties to the extent of 5%, which will go and uh, where, you know, we may basically be on a level playing field with, uh, with other countries like Vietnam. But uh, the thing is that, you know, in Japan's case, we saw that it, this does not happen, did not happen with textiles uh, because of other, you know, non-tariff barriers, technical, you know, the, the specific technical standards they may have and which, you know, our companies may find difficult to stick to. So these things, you know, despite the tariffs being brought down, it did not result in market access. So this is also another argument that has been made in this report. What are the hurdles uh, the India-EU FTA might face? One of the big hurdles on the goods front is the pressure from the EU on India to bring down import duties on wines and spirits and automobiles. So, you know, these are the two sectors where we have high existing tariffs, MFN tariffs, like the tariffs that we impose on all our trading partners. So there is a lot of scope to bring it down and India has also agreed to bring it down, but the extent to which the EU wants it lowered. So... You know, India may not be comfortable to bring it down to that extent because it also has its own domestic industry to protect. So that is an area where, you know, that does exist a big hurdle which both sides have to overcome. Uh, then there is the issue of, you know, digital trade, e-commerce and cross-border flow of data. So India is still serving up its own domestic laws here. So uh, India's argument is that, you know, it does not have its own domestic laws. So it is not in a position to give any commitments in these areas. But EU wants commitments. And then government procurement is another area. Intellectual property, yet another area. So where, uh, as you already discussed, the EU wants India to go beyond the TRIPS agreement of the WTO. So, and then there are these these sustainability issues, environment, labor, gender, etc. So India wants all these to be on a best endeavor basis. Like there should not be any commitment and to get things done, but, you know, uh, willingly on their own, uh, countries should take steps in these in these areas, but but EU may not be very happy with that. So that is one area where, whether to, that is basically not one area, there are a lot, the, all the areas that we mentioned where, you know, an agreement has to be reached on, you know, the extent of commitments. And then as we, as we discussed, visas and movement of professionals is another area where India would want more commitments at the EU than what the EU may be comfortable, you know, in giving. So you have to see how much India can convince uh, the EU to, you know, ease on the visa front. So these are some of the areas where uh, the two sides have to basically sit down and see how best they can come to an understanding and how best both sides' interests can be matched. 
lastly how will the india eu fta be a game changer for india it could be very effective for india if negotiators do a good job of it i mean uh, firstly indian manufacturers of labor intensive items uh, such as textiles leather sports goods processed food they are expected to benefit from the proposed fta so because you know the the understanding is that elimination or reduction in duties by the eu in these items will bring indian exporters at par with those from countries such as bangladesh and vietnam which already have duty free access to markets under schemes such as the gsp scheme so um, if you know india also gets duty free access then there'll be a level playing field and they can you know absolutely compete uh, with these countries so uh, there could be an increase in market access in all these areas and also as we discussed data data secure status can give more option business to indian firms and then you know uh, if india convinces eu to uh, not only give visa relaxation but also get into these mutual recognition agreements that we have managed with australia so uh, where you know uh, both sides they, they recognize uh, the degrees and other qualifications granted uh, in each other's country so these can increase opportunities for our service providers so there are a lot of opportunities out there which can be grabbed but then it all depends on you know what actually happens in the negotiating thanks amiti thank you for your insights on the india eu fta and until the next episode of the bl podcast this is sadat signing off